Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Greetings, conversationalists. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I survived the trip to Starkville, Mississippi. I have never seen anything like it. This is not disrespectful, and I don't intend this to be disrespectful. I was mesmerized by Starkville, Mississippi. It is literally a ginormous SEC football stadium in the middle of Pastureland. I mean, you see the football stadium on the horizon, and then there's nothing. It's a city that is a village during the summer when students are in there and then balloons into the city during the school year. I was fascinated by it, literally, the, on the back side of the college campus. It's just farmland. I I've, I've, I mean, like I was a buddy of mine who's very defensive to this because he's a big— um, He's a big fan of Starkville, and he was a minister for RUF there and, and um, has lots of ties there. He was very defensive and said, you know, when when I drive from my town uh, to Athens, Georgia, it's farmland a lot of the ways. Yes, but Athens, Georgia stays city-sized during the summer, and Starkville, Mississippi shrinks to this town. It's just I was absolutely Flabbergasted. I mean, it was a nice place. The people were wonderful. It's a neat college town and all that, but it is it it is a town when school's out. I was fascinated. Okay, now we, we must move on to the events that happened over the weekend while I was trying to enjoy a wedding. One of the weirdest things about social media in the 21st century is that everybody is an expert. Everyone was a COVID expert, then they were a vaccine expert, then they were an Israeli elections expert, then they were a a Ward 5 Miami election expert, then they were an election law expert. Now everybody is a Russian military expert and Russia criminologist. It's fascinating to watch. The reality is no one really knows what the hell happened in Russia over the weekend but it was a little bit mesmerizing. This is Anthony Blinken, the American Secretary of State. Too soon to say with any um, any certainty what the final chapter in this particular book is going to be. Um, the the rising storm of uh, Prigozhin uh, inside of Russia is something that uh, many people have seen over over months now. Uh, direct challenges to the leadership to the military leadership. Um, powerful criticism of Russia's conduct of its aggression against Ukraine, and now questioning the very premises of the of the war. Uh, Prigozhin himself saying that Ukraine and NATO did not pose a threat to Russia, which is, right. as you know, been part of Putin's narrative. These uh, create more cracks in the Russian facade. Okay, he's right here. So over the weekend, it was actually mesmerizing to watch uh, Prigozhin, who is the head of the Wagner Group, Wagner, it, it, it's spelled like Wagner, it's pronounced Wagner. It's a mercenary company. He was a member of Russian organized crime. He became a caterer to Vladimir Putin, uh, became a friend of Vladimir Putin, but on the outside of the circle of Putin's friends and was put in charge of Wagner, a mercenary group that Putin allegedly funded. And they've gone around the world fighting various wars in Africa and elsewhere. It's Syria. They, they've been the, the lead for Syria and part of Ukraine. Um, I, I, I want to say something here 
And this is um, very specific. I do not confess, do not pretend to be, uh, do not desire to be an expert on Russia. I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express, but that's besides the point. I do, however, know people who are highly informed, people who do know what's going on, and I do want to relay to you all of the information I've gotten so you can kind of understand what's happening. The bottom line is that no one really knows, but it is a very big story. It is the biggest story. It's a bigger story than what's happening in domestic politics and could have cascading effects into domestic politics. But there are multiple angles on the story, and no one really knows which is which, and that's part of the issue of what's going on here. But there is a synthesis here, and I want to read to you uh, from an email I got that I think does a very good job of synthesizing it uh, from a World War II historian. First of all, you do need to know the punchline of this, which is very ironic. So the Russian... uh, highway that Prigozhin and the Wagner troops were on is called the M4. And it runs from the south up to Moscow. It is their equivalent of the interstate. But there's a problem, and you should know about the problem. The British media yesterday began discussing the ride from Rostov-on-Don, which is a Russian military depot very close to Ukraine. It's where most of the Russian military hardware uh, is held as it is transported across the border into the Donetsk region of Ukraine. Uh, the problem is the British started talking about the invasion and the coup up M4. The most famous, one of the most famous British highways is also the M4. And the BBC started realizing we got to remind people uh, this is not our M4. This is the Russian M4. It'd be like saying, I don't know, I, I, I-95 in the United States. They were coming up Florida from Florida on I-95. And, and someone uses I-95 repeatedly. They're like, no, 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 not the American I-95. This was the same equivalent in Britain. The British media is like, hey, folks, calm down. It's not the British M4 that they're on. It's the Russian M4. And it runs uh, from southern Russia through Rostov-on-Don all the way up to Moscow. It is a very important highway. So that's the context here. Now, let me read you this. At, at the core, it appears to have fundamentally been a Hail Mary by Prigozhin to stop the Russian Ministry of Defense assimilating his Wagner cartel by forcing them to sign contracts with the Ministry of Defense. That began to happen last week. The Ministry of Defense wanted contracts signed with the Ministry of Defense. You couldn't be a freelancer in Ukraine anymore. Prigozhin objected. The Ministry of Defense doubled down. Prigozhin failed to try to stop this. After capturing Rostov-on-Don and then blitzing up the highway and getting within 120 miles of the capital with various accounts, some saying he was closer, some saying he was further away, it becomes clear to Prigozhin that nobody else was lined up behind him and he switched into damage control mode. He saved his own neck for now by going into exile in Belarus. Wagner in Russia is going to either be assimilated or folded with the status of its operations in Africa left unclear. There is a suggestion from some that these Wagner mercenaries will not be sent back to Ukraine, but will be sent to Africa instead. However, there's some late breaking news that it appears. Now, what you have to understand is when the Wagner group started doing this in Rostov-on-Don, hundreds of miles south of Moscow, a lot of the local military joined them against Moscow. 
the Wagner troops are actually the best trained and the local military actually flipped sides. It's why they were able to take Rostov on Don, the local military uh, hub. A lot of the local military switched sides with them. And as they march further to Moscow, more and more people join the brigade. So they get closer and closer to Moscow. And suddenly, Prigozhin realizes they're probably not going to be able to make it. They're probably going to die because Vladimir Putin has a loyal air force that controls the skies and could start blowing them up. So all of these guys who switched to Prigozhin's side from Putin's side, they're now kind of in a bind. They've just shown themselves to be disloyal to Putin. The final result is everybody in Russia is hacked off by the outcome. Nobody feels good about anything. A lot of the pro-war mill blogger community feels let down by Prigozhin and are calling him a clown for having done this thing in the first place and or for not having gone all the way. A lot of Wagner troops feel betrayed by Prigozhin too for having saved his own neck while he ditched them. Do you think the Wagner groups that do end up signing contracts with the Ministry of Defense are going to go back to fighting Ukraine or are they going to be welcomed as brothers in arms by Private Conscriptovich and his mates in the trenches? A lot of the regular military is even more hacked off at Wagner now, too, because in the course of that thunder run yesterday, the Wagnerites shot down seven fixed and rotary wing aircraft, one of the worst days of the entire war, and killed a bunch of highly competent aviators. That doesn't leave a good taste in the mouth, does it? Meanwhile, in the aforementioned trenches in Ukraine, Private Komskriptovich has just been confronted with yet more evidence that his country's a complete mess, the entire basis of the war is corrupt and stupid and rotten, and the war isn't going well because Putin was finally forced to admit it during his address to the nation on Friday night, where he alluded to the collapse of the, of Russia in 1917. No soldier ever wants to be the last guy to die in a stupid war. It was a gut punch to their morale. The Ukrainians were able to take advantage of it and advance, advance, advance because the Russians turned around to go home to save Vladimir Putin or join Wagner, leaving lines undefended and the Ukrainians took advantage of it. Further up the chain is the kleptocracy. Russian security services look impotent. They didn't detect the preposition logistics that Wagner had assembled to pull it off. The Ukrainians did and have been telling people for weeks it was going to happen. They were unable to stop the Thunder Run when it went down. Had the Thunder Run actually con continued, it's very likely the FSB troops wouldn't have been able to defend the capital. A lot of people in Putin's regime are undoubtedly mulling on the topic of what might have happened if someone like the head of the military had thrown his lot with Prigozhin and brought over regulars. Moscow would have been toast. Putin would have been toast. At the top, it looks very bad for Putin. And this I can stop here from reading. And I can just tell you, there is a variety of opinions on how this shakes out. But everyone has agreed that this looks very bad for Vladimir Putin. His friend turns on the military. The military has Putin's back but can't defend themselves or Moscow. Prigozhin was able to take over the headquarters of the Southern Military District without a fight. All of it looks to be weak. And then Putin had to lean on the Belarusian leader, Lukashenko, who's in poor health, by the way. Lukashenko is not well. Had to go to him. Now, there's this from the Financial Times. This just uh, hit 25 minutes ago. 
armed Wagner fighters roam Vorozhnes in southern Russia eating shawarmas. Prigozhin is back to ranting against the defense ministry, while treason charges have been revived. Two days after the Kremlin struck a deal to end Wagner's armed uprising, the truce is teetering on the edge with growing questions in Russia over whether the bargain will hold. The Kremlin has seized billions of rubles in cash and gold bars from Prigozhin, squeezing Wagner's finances, but some fervent loyalists of President Putin are proposing even more unforgiving solutions. I am fiercely convinced that in wartime, traitors must be shot, says Andrei Gorolyov, a prominent pro-war member of parliament on state television. Whatever fairy tale they tell you, the only way out of Prigozhin for Prigozhin is a bullet in the head. The first indication of the deal's fragility came on Monday when state newswires cited sources that, contrary to the Kremlin spokesman's promises, Prigozhin is still under investigation. The leak suggested that Moscow wanted to maintain pressure on Prigozhin, who resurfaced hours later in a voice message and claimed his mutiny had been an act of self-preservation. The situation has not been resolved as far as I can tell, and the terms that uh, Peskov announced are not suitable terms, says Rob Lee, a member of the Foreign Policy Research Institute, nor has Wagner's activity in Russia finally subsided despite promises it would return to base camp. On Sunday evening, locals in Vorozhnev said Wagner fighters shopping in the supermarket, even though officials said they had left the city. As the Wagner fighters left, shawarmas in hand from a nearby stand, one young guy had a rapturous, impudent look, and if everything was fine and nothing really happened, they're all going home. Several Wagner hotlines across Russia, reached by phone on Monday, told the Financial Times they're still recruiting fighters. It is chaos. No one knows what to make of it. It looks bad for Putin. It looks bad for Prigozhin. It looks bad for everyone except Ukraine. In fact, this is good news for Ukraine and good news for the Biden administration and those in Congress who have wanted to have uh, Ukraine's back. It has destabilized Russia. And destabilizing Russia means an advance of Ukraine to be able to take back land. Over the weekend, they were able to take back land they lost in 2014 and haven't been able to get back until now. That's a good sign for Ukraine. But there is a problem here. One, uh, even American military intelligence claiming that they knew all along this was going to happen did not know until the Ukrainians told them two weeks ago. And more importantly, if Vladimir Putin goes away, what the heck happens to Russia, a massive country with a nuclear arsenal? This could be even more further destabilizing in these times. And lastly, poor old President Xi, he bet on Russia. And look what happened. This is not good for the Chinese either. Have you ever wished you could become an even more effective conservative advocate? Like, uh, who could you rely on to give you the knowledge and information you need to make more persuasive arguments, how to knock on doors, how to show up at your local city council, or to meet your state legislator to advocate for small government. Americans for Prosperity can help you. They train you to be a better conservative activist, to grow the movement and fight for small government around the country from the local level to the federal level. And they put points on the board. Over 200 legislative victories in the past year alone advocating for smaller government and reduced regulation. Americans for Prosperity wants you on their team 
You can join them at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. They've got over 30 chapters around the country in states. They're growing new ones all the time. Be a part of a movement for small government with americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Go check them out today. There's one aspect of this situation in Russia over the weekend that I do think is worth talking about very briefly, and that is the lack of credible information on social media. Uh, There is a phenomenon in the United States of some people who are very pro-Putin, and I suspect many of those accounts are troll accounts that are actually run from Moscow, but people have developed identities and claim to be very uh, supportive of Putin and know what's going on, and they don't. Uh, But Prigozhin as well had his own. What was striking is the number of them who had blue check marks. Twitter had all sorts of flaws prior to Elon Musk taking it over, but one thing I think they did well was they verified that the accounts they were giving blue check marks to were credible people uh, with legitimate sources of information. And you could tend to, in moments of crisis, follow along with those people. And you can't under Elon Musk. Any troll can buy a blue check mark and come across as credible. And the Russians have done a very good job of eliminating their good independent media. There are no good journalistic sources in Russia anymore because the Russians have jailed, killed, or otherwise exiled the good independent journalists. So this is one of those times where people kind of needed legitimate sources on social media. They couldn't find them. Uh, There was a lot of buzz on social media and none in major news outlets because the news outlets didn't trust the sources and went much more slowly in reporting what was happening and turned out to be the best approach. Um, It's just striking. I I can't wait for Meta to release threads. I'm sure it'll be more competent than what Twitter has become these days. Now, I got to tell you about Vision Computers. My kid had withdrawals this weekend while we were in Mississippi. We got home yesterday afternoon or yesterday evening about 6.15. He was on his computer by 6.45 until the storm hit and the power went out and he couldn't be on on the computer anymore. But he loves the gaming PC Vision Computer built for him. And it was such a great experience to call him, tell him what he needed. And they just put him together exactly what he needed and wanted. And they made it expandable. So in a few years when he goes off to college, he's not going to have to get a brand new machine. They can do this for you. They can do this for your company. And then they can be your tech support. I don't even have to help my kid with his PC. He just calls the tech number at Vision Computers. They actually answer the phone and they fix his problem for him. And so far, every time remotely, they can do it for you. They can do it for your company. Call him at 404-COMPUTE anywhere in the United States of America, 404-COMPUTE, or go to visioncomputers.com. If you call him at 404-COMPUTE, ask him about the Eric Erickson special, you get a great deal that you don't even see on their website. 404-COMPUTE, let Vision Computers build your computers and be your IT service. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. Happy to have you with me this fine Monday. I finally have blue skies here after a week of rain. I've got like three good days. So I, I want to tell you what's happened. So I, I, I do an ad deal for a company, the Georgia Spa Company. And I have been wanting, because I am old, well, not that old, but still, been wanting this therapeutic hot tub, spa, they call them these days. Uh, and I'm getting one. But I've had to have no rain for multiple days because i got to get the landscaper to come in and lay down a pad to put this thing down. 
and it's finally happening this week, and I can finally get my spa, my hot tub. I can sit in the backyard and smoke cigars and watch movies. This thing has, like, surround sound speakers. can never, never have to go inside again. And in the wintertime, it's going to be so great. I cannot wait. Um, I'm sure you care. I care greatly. They come tomorrow to start laying the pad. It's been months I've been waiting for this. Now, I got I to gotta talk to you about pizza. I realize most of you did not come here today to hear about pizza, but you must because it's relevant to your life. New York City is cracking down on coal and wood-fired pizzerias. I have a pizza oven outside. It's a small one. Now, Uni is the brand that a lot of people have. I prefer a company called Gosney. Tom Gosney is a great dude from Great Britain who built uh, remarkable pizza ovens. He has a, a fascinating life story. And in the process of, of recovery uh, from addiction and other issues, he really got into cooking, started making pizza ovens, and he makes, I think, they are the world's best pizza ovens. And he you can't get a lot of them in this country, but now you can get the Gosney Rock Box, which I have, which is a small little pizza oven. And they've got this one called the Dome now where you can do like two pizzas at one time. And I really, really want the Dome. But, but, so I use these little pizza ovens. You can use wood or you can use gas. Now, I tend to use gas because it's convenient. But the thing is, if you want to make a real Neapolitan pizza, a real Neapolitan pizza, you got to use a wood burning oven. You got to have a dough that consists of salt, yeast, water, and flour. Double zero flour. Uh, what San Marzano tomatoes and buffalo mozzarella and basil. If you want the real Neapolitan pizza, the key is the wood burning oven. It is not a real, authentic Neapolitan style pizza. If you're using gas, if you're using your standard oven, it needs to be a wood-burning oven. Wood-burning ovens, I want one. I Actually, one day when I build my house, when my buddy Vince builds my house, it's going to be a big wood-burning oven, and I'm going to use the snot on it. I'm going to use it all the time. To everyone's chagrin, they'll wait for days for the food because you got to bring it up to temperature. you got to get the wood burning right. I just, I want one so bad. But in New York City, they don't want them to have any more. Now, I, I got to just just pause here for a minute. Put, put, put a period at the end of that. Let, let's have a tangent here. For all of human history, if you've wanted to cook something, you have to apply heat to it. Heating generates the Maillard reaction, which is uh, when, when stuff gets brown or, or begins to char, this Maillard reaction, the sugars begin to caramelize. It, it begins to affect the flavor. It's good. A seared steak is tasty because, in part, the sear. It's the Maillard reaction. And you got to apply heat. And for all of human history, fire has been necessary to do that. And in most of human history, it's cooking over wood or coals that matters. And for those of you like me who I, I love my Rectech, I, I love the the pellets, 
But for the longest time, I had my big green egg, and I, I, I gave it away finally because after about 10 years of using it, I needed something bigger. I didn't want an offset, although I do want an offset, but that's another story. I just decided pellets are so so um, easier to they're easier to use. You get up to temperature, they work great. I love my Rectech, but fire has been an essential component. Now I have a professional grill as well. It, it uses gas. It doesn't use coal, or wood, although I can put wood in it. One day I want one of those Kalamazoo ones where you can put the wood in or the coal, but that's neither here nor there. But when the drippings from the meat drip down and they incinerate, they begin to flavor the meat even more. It's kind of an essential component of cooking. The problem is when you cook like this, the food is what you call good. It's good food. I have on my professional grill, I have this 50-pound rotisserie. I'll put a whole pork loin on it. Let it go for like three hours basting it in its own drippings, mopping it with with butter, and I'll use a little um, oftentimes maple syrup with cayenne pepper or some honey, and I'll baste it. It gets crystallized. It's just perfect. And as everything drips onto the flame, the flame flavors it. It's fantastic. Now, this is all a tangent to get back to this point. New York City now wants to shut down the coal and wood-fired pizza ovens of New York. New York has a very large Italian contingent. And there is a big thing between Chicago and New York. Do you want a New York-style pizza or Chicago pizza? Chicago pizza is deep dish. New York tends to be thin and you fold it. There are a lot of Italian pizza places that make a thick Neapolitan pizza. And one of my favorite New York pizza places is Grimaldi's. They actually have one in Las Vegas now. And it's a coal-burning pizza oven. The New York City... Department of Environmental Protection has drafted new rules that would order eateries using the decades-old baking method to slice carbon emissions by 75%. Quote, all New Yorkers deserve to breathe healthy air and wood and coal fire stoves are among the largest contributors of harmful pollutants in the neighborhoods with poor air quality. This common sense rule developed with restaurants and environmental justice groups requires a professional review of whether installing emissions control is feasible, said Ted Timbers of the Department of Environmental Protection. The owner of one Brooklyn pizza place already spent $20,000 on an air filtration system in anticipation of the new mandate. If you want to install it, God bless you. The problem here is what do you do about the old ones that can't afford it? It's an unfunded mandate. Grimaldi's is one of the most famous pizza places in New York. It's very good. Grimaldi's pizzas are very good. And then there are mom and pop shops you've never heard of that are actually even better. But there's a larger issue here. And that is that the environmentalists are now, you notice how this is accelerating? First, it, it wasn't we're going to ban stoves, and then suddenly they are banning gas stoves, and then it's an escalation of now we got to crack down on the wood fired, and we got to crack down on the gas, and we got to crack down on the coal and the emissions. These places have been there, some of them, for over 100 years. They've never had a problem, and suddenly, oh, my gosh, the air quality is so terrible. And what's so crazy is you've got some people like, <coughs> oh, it's so terrible. I've got black lung disease. I've been eating there all my life. And now they're, I know you're not. 
in Austin, Texas, a place world-renowned for its barbecue, particularly its brisket. The Austin City Council tried to pass regulations that would block the barbecue houses of Austin from releasing smoke into the air. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. They wanted to pass regulations that would require retrofitting the offset wood smokers. For those of you who don't know what these are, you have essentially, think of it as a big, uh, you, you know what a long propane tank on its side looks like? So you have one of those and a small little box attached to it. And the big propane tank, that's your grill. That's where you throw the meat. And then this little offset thing, you throw the wood in. You burn the wood in a barrel. As the wood gets hot, you put it into the offset smoker to get the coals going, and the smoke goes through with the heat. And it it flavors the brisket. It brings the brisket very slowly up to temperature. You regulate the temperature. There's a great bit of skill that goes into it. But it's that burning of the wood that produces the heat and the smoke for the meat that also produces the smoke that in Austin they decided was ruining the air quality. They ultimately had to back down when it was pointed out they would literally put out of business every barbecue house that Austin is known for. What this is is religious zealotry by the environmentalists who think one of the ways to save the planet is to take the flavor out of our lives, to suck the joy out of our lives. They want us to be miserable. They want us to be miserable. And what I find more notable than anything, and actually the most disturbing thing about it, is how willing some people are to go along with this. How willing some people are, they buy into it. Democrats right now, a majority of Democrats, believe that saving the environment is more important than your livelihood. They're willing to suck all the joy out of life to save the planet that they don't want you to enjoy. If you enjoy your life, in some ways, you're bad. And they're doing this around the country. They want to control your air conditioner during the summer. They want to be able to patch into your air conditioner and turn the thermostat up to save power so that you sweat. Instead of building and expanding the power grid, they want you to be more miserable. They don't want you to burn wood or coal to produce flavor and heat for food. They want you not to have a gas stove, not to enjoy the Maillard reaction. They want to control your life. And ultimately, that's it, isn't it? It is It is a torquemada. It is religious zealotry. They want to be able to control your life. They want to punish you if you do not comply. They want their private jets. They don't even want you to fly anymore. They want you to eat bugs, not cows. Lab-grown meat. We talked about that last week. They want you to switch from a grass-fed beef to a lab-grown cow that doesn't taste the same, doesn't necessarily cook the same, and and puts in a whole lot of energy, and they're worried about the environment, but they want you to eat something grown in a lab that is energy-intensive to produce. But it doesn't belch methane, so they're okay with it. There's a perversion here. God made this beautiful planet. He gave us dinosaurs 
that he then killed off with a meteor so that by the 20th century we would find the oil those dinosaurs changed into. And we would be able to use that oil to make gasoline, to fuel our cars and our airplanes, and we would discover coal and we could use coal to cook on, to make tasty foods. He gave us cows to carve up and eat. Cow is the ultimate plant-based diet. They grass-fed beef. They're, they're, they're fueled by grass and the sun. And they don't want you, the environmentalists don't want you to eat them. They don't want you to cook over wood or coal. They don't want you to have a life. They don't want you to enjoy life. They don't want you to have flavorful food. They want you to be miserable and die to save the planet. They have put the planet ahead of you. And the best thing you can do to push back is go fire up your grill this evening and grill something. Go eat a cow, a plant-based cow. Learn how to make a good Neapolitan pizza. Fire up a gas stove, boil some water, run your SUV through the neighborhood. Push back on these people. They want to take the joy out of your life. They are miserable people, and they want you to be as well. And the best way to fight them is actually to enjoy your life. Now, one of those fine groups pushing back on these sorts of nut jobs is Patriot Mobile, and they fund the conservative movement. They actually share your values. They're Christian conservatives. They want you to be a part of them, uh, part of their business. All you got to do is take your cell phone service to them. They give you guaranteed great service. They're probably using the exact same cell tower you're already using. So you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, or you call them 972-PATRIOT. You tell them I sent you, you get free activation. But if you go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric, you can see their coverage map, and you can zoom right down to your house, see how good the data, the 5G, the voice, all of that is. And then as you help them grow their profits, they take a portion of it and they give it to conservative candidates and conservative causes around the country. Patriot Mobile, there are other groups out there that claim to share your values. Patriot Mobile explicitly does. It's why they are in business and they want to advance the conservative movement. They need your help. And all you got to do very easily is take your cell phone service to them. You can even take your existing phone number to them. If you have an unlocked phone, you can take that to them as well. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972-PATRIOT. Greetings, welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Charlie tells me he's doing three separate pulled pork dishes, probably 30-plus hours of smoking time, plus a brisket, wings, ribs, all for the 4th of July. His family in Montana, they like to eat. Um, good for him. Fire it up. You should fire up your grill. You Philip, that reminds me, I'm supposed to smoke that brisket for you. I guess I need to do that. Okay. Uh, in any event, this hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building Alone. The Frost, they like to grill out too. We all should. The Frost family has been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 90s, and they want to help your business. If your business needs access to $250,000 or more for buying a building, building a building, uh, buying out a business partner, buying a franchise, growing a franchise, reach out to them anywhere in the United States of America. The Frost family can help you. First Liberty Building and Loan. Their website is firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and them for you. Okay, we got to move on to other things. Speaking of food, I might as well end on this before moving to other things. Taco Tuesday. Did you know there's, there's some small taco joint that has trademarked the phrase Taco Tuesday? Now, you and I refer to Taco Tuesday undoubtedly. Taco Bell is suing the small company Taco John's to try to throw out the phrase 
They've held on to it for 34 years, and Taco Bell says Taco Tuesday's become such a common phrase that they've lost their trademark. This is why, for example, so you know we you talk about Kleenex for for tissue, um, or if you if you read a recipe, if you read a recipe, they refer to zip top bags, not zip lock bags, because zip lock is a trademark, and they zealously defend it so that uh, they come after you and send you a, a nasty letter if you say zip uh, lock instead of zip top because they don't want everyone to generically refer to Ziploc bags as Ziploc bags. Same with Kleenex or a Xerox, things like that. You got to hold on to your trademark by zealously going after people who use it who don't have the right to. Well, Taco John has apparently been doing this for some time, uh, sending letters to taco restaurants and the like that use Taco Tuesday but I don't really know that it's going to be worthwhile. Um, I mean, everybody uses the phrase Taco Tuesday. In fact, nobody, I mean, I didn't even know it was a registered trademark. Did you know it was a registered trademark? I bet you didn't. Um, Taco Bell scored an early press release victory. The next step is the discovery portion and a move by Taco Bell to conduct a survey to determine what portion of the American public associates Taco Tuesday with either Taco John's or Gregory Hotel, which owns the trademark in New Jersey, versus the phrase being a more general custom associated with eating tacos on Tuesday. I never knew it was a trademark. I thought it was just Tuesdays when you eat tacos. Now, I eat tacos like all the time. You know, when I was five, my parents convinced me that a taco was a Mexican hamburger, and that's how I started eating them because I only ate hamburgers when I was five years old. Seriously, true story. They told me the taco was just how Mexicans ate hamburgers. I have been eating them ever since. I love tacos. I can't believe someone trademarked Taco Tuesday. Taco Bell should win this case. When we come back, Joe Biden has a lot of trouble, and so does Donald Trump. When you look at all the polling that's out there between the two of them, what a disaster 2024 is shaping up to be.